want to call your attention today in the book of Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 4 through 7. I may not get the whole word out that I had planned, but I think this is all going the way that God wants it. And uh, Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Paul, Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Pardon me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, what? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can the church say amen to those scriptures? Let's pray. Lord, as we come to you, we thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost that has moved in this service so far. I'm asking God that you will finish out this service the way that you want it through your word speaking to the people in Christ Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. If I had a subject title for the day's matches to preach to you about, it would be Paul's Pathway to Peace. Paul's Pathway to Peace. Some of you might remember... Um, some time ago, we did a series of teaching lessons on Wednesday night about the different kinds of ministry and uh, in the church and the gifts and stuff that God calls and sets forth, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers and all those things. We, we spent some time studying all those things and what each one of them curtails, and I did my best to, to, to teach and uh, and bring up the younger man that's coming up under me that God has placed under my care that um, an evangelist preaches a different message than a pastor does. A pastor's got a different kind of message than an evangelist. And that, uh, and I've told him time and time again, as, as evangelists, when you go somewhere to preach at another church behind another man's pulpit, you should never try to pastor his church because God didn't call you to do that. You stick with the message of evangelism as long as God has called you to that field. The Bible says, let every man abide in a calling wherein he's called. This message today is definitely a pastoral message. And I felt very strongly about this message today uh, and uh, Paul's pathway to peace. And uh, this is one reason why Asked Sister uh, Kathy and Sister Jerry sang the song that they sung a while ago. I want to leave with you just a little bit today. I hope that will encourage you and lift you up and help you uh, because I can sense that there's a lot of different kind of battles being fought within our congregation. There's a lot of different, uh, and you can tell that. You could hear it from the prayer request that was given a while ago. And uh, we all got various kind of struggles. And uh, I want you to know that God wants to walk with you no matter where you're walking. 
wants to be with you. Uh, and uh, that's very important for us to know. Uh, since I'm talking about peace, I ran across a humorous uh, antidote or story just to kind of break the ice with before I get into the message. Uh, there was a young business owner opening up a new uh, branch office. And uh, he had a close friend uh, that um, uh, decided to send him a, uh, a floral arrangement for the grand opening of his new location. And uh, so he called the florist and he, he told him, and uh, he said, my buddy's opening up a new store, different location, and I want to send a nice, nice reef to him uh, so he can just put it on the front door on the grand opening day. Uh, but when later on, on that grand opening day, when, when he went uh, and uh, arrived at that, uh, at that place, the man was appalled to find the reef that he had ordered hanging on the front door but it had the inscription on it, rest in peace. Uh, not a good antidote for a new business just now opening up. And so he got angry and he called a florist and gave him what for. The florist apologized and told him that he was shorthanded and there was a lot of things that come in. And he apologized for the mistake and things got mixed up. He said, but you can look at it this way. Think about it like this. Somewhere out there... A man was buried today, and a reef is being laid upon his tomb that says, Good luck in your new location. Hallelujah. There's a lot of way, different ways to look at things, Brother Wayne. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It seems like the more the world progresses in technological and medical advances, to improve our lifestyle and make life easier, the more people regress into areas of depression, gloominess, and despair. Peace of mind is a rare commodity among millions in this thrill-seeking materialistic world. The problem is so vast that millions of dollars of research are spent annually in an attempt to understand why some live with peace of mind, while others seem to never attain it, though they may attain wealth and other things we associate with peace and happiness. Um, I, I read a, an article where Duke University did a study on peace of mind and concluded there were certain factors found to contribute greatly to emotional and mental stability. This is what the researchers at Duke University come up with. How to attain peace of mind. Number one, the number one thing on their list was the absence of suspicion and resentment. If you stop and think about it, it's a lot of truth of that. If you've got a suspicious mind, if every time somebody walks up and hugs you around the neck and says, I love you, brother, I love you, sister, if you're thinking, I wonder what they're up to. Hallelujah. A lot of times when I give Cassie a telephone call and she sees it's me, she'll answer the phone by, what do you want now? 
she does that because I do want to uh, some things a lot of time when I call. I will admit that. But uh, we got to be careful about being suspicious. Another thing that Duke University researchers found about obtaining, having peace of mind and living in pieces is not living in the past. A lot of people have a problem with that. Listen to this one. Not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you cannot change. Hallelujah. Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. There's a lot of things go through my mind as I read these issues. Also, the researchers at Duke University talking about how to attain this peace of mind and whatever and get peace in your life. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Ain't it amazing that a lot of times when we get to feeling bad and we get stressed out, we want to run and hide and we want to get away from the very people that could really help us. Amen. We, instead, we want to withdraw. The next one was refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. The sixth one is cultivate the old fashion virtues of love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. The seventh one is don't set unrealistic goals for yourself when there is too wide a gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals you have set. Feelings of inadequacy are inevitable. I don't put no confidence in me, but I put all confidence in Jesus. I know there's a lot of things I can't do and a lot of things I can't accomplish, but I know the God I serve and all things are possible with Him. And then the eighth and final one is find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness and peace in their life. Now, these things came from a study, a peace of mind from Duke University. And I do believe this study has given us some good advice which can point us down the path towards peace. But the Word of God is always the final authority and rule which, if its precepts are applied, can answer every problem in life which may occur. There's not nothing that's ever happened to you or ever will happen to you that you can't find the answer to it in this book. For instance, the researchers at Duke, when they compiled all that information, they failed to recognize the true source of peace, which is Jesus Christ. One biblical expositor once noted in a study on peace, and this is really good, Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. Too many of us equate peace with not having any problems in your life. But peace is not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of God. Hallelujah. 
When I read that quote, my mind automatically thought of the Scripture in Isaiah where the prophet spoke so powerfully. Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Pastors, tell you how to get something here. Well, listen. If we'll apply the precepts of the Word. Brother Bobby talked about it because he trusted in thee. Hallelujah. Another scripture principle which mirrors the same sentiment is found in Psalm. Psalm 16 and 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I've been to the, I walked in the house of God where I felt like my head was hanging so low my chin was dragging the ground. Been battling all kind of battles and fighting all kind of devils. Hallelujah. But when I come into the house of God and I refuse to let those issues rule my spirit and I begin to worship God even though I don't feel like worshiping Him. There's a lot of times, folks, that I lift my hands that I don't feel like lifting my hands. There's a lot of times I say hallelujah that I don't feel like saying hallelujah. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching now. There's a lot of times, oh, but when I get in the house of God and I do that and I get in His presence, in His presence, in fullness of joy. So we, we should be able to see that peace and peace of mind is not, in, is not an impossibility even in the midst of storms and struggles of life. But you've got to stop equating peace with not having problems. But with, the, but living, but with living in the presence of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't want to burst your bubbles, but as long as you live, you're going to be facing some kind of problem in this life. Hallelujah. You get through one trial, there's going to be nothing facing you. That's not talking negative. That's just speaking fact, how life is. But that's why God's power is so real. Hallelujah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, saith God. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. My God. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes in like a flood. We've been watching floods. I've seen them open those gates down there. And man, that water just rolling over all that farmland. Just taking everything out so they can save some things down further downstream and everything. Hallelujah. You see those flood waters everywhere. Last May right here, how it inundated everything. And it just reminds me of that scripture. That when the enemy comes in like a flood. Sometimes, amen, hallelujah, it seems like I've been poured on so much and I'm being entertained with a flood of problems and trials. Oh, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. I'm still standing today because God's still with me. I'm not no stronger than anybody else. I might be weaker than some other people in some things. 
But you know what? I refuse to give up on my God because He's bigger than any problem than I can or cannot see. The Apostle Paul witnessed in his day the problems associated with folks searching for peace, even in the midst of a, of a Holy Ghost-filled church. Everywhere Paul went, and Paul had some anointing with him. I mean, he—I mean, he—you know—he—he he was definitely a man of God, and that was a first-century church, and the power of God was definitely there. But everywhere he went, he ran into folks with depression, turmoil in their life. So Paul, being the doctor of the soul, wrote out a prescription for peace, which I've used today as Paul's pathway to peace. And it's found in those scriptures that we read in our text exactly how it is. And, I, and I'm going to go through that, and there are three things in there that Paul's told us about if we, could, if we gain peace, peace of mind in our heart. The first thing is, always rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice in the Lord. Let me explain this right off the bat, folks. You can't, and listen to Pastor Close here, listen to this. You can't always rejoice in what is happening to you or around you. But you can always rejoice in the Lord. I can't always rejoice in the things that's happening in my life or in my family or around me. But there's nothing happened that I cannot rejoice in the Lord over. Let me give you an example. I can still remember like it was yesterday, a little over five years ago, when I got the phone call telling me of the accident that Sister Darlene had, and she had been life-flighted by helicopter to Vanderbilt Trammell Center. When I got that phone call, Brother Wayne, I couldn't rejoice in what happened. There was no way that I could rejoice in what happened when I got up there and I seen her in that trauma unit and with all them other people that was hanging on to life by a cord, by a thread. I couldn't rejoice in what happened, but I did rejoice in the Lord for the fact He spared her life. Hallelujah. I rejoice when, when the doctors told me she's still unconscious, but she's mumbling something incoherently. We don't know what she's saying. Hallelujah. And I walked up to that bed, and even though she was unconscious, I listened down close. To, she didn't know I was standing there. She didn't know I was around. Hallelujah. But there, even though she was unconscious and her body battered and bruised and many bones broken in her body, she was laying they're praying in tongues. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I recognize that. And I rejoice to the Lord. Because don't try to rejoice in everything that happens to you. Amen, Brother Gary. But you can still rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. My God. Let's get a little closer to home here. Today, nobody in this house is rejoicing 
over the loss of our friend and brother, everybody who lovingly called fish. But we can rejoice in the fact that just last week we witnessed him going down in that watery grave. Which I can't rejoice for the Bible that a friend is gone on. But I can rejoice that last week I sat down here. Hallelujah. And I looked up there and I saw Brother Joseph take him down in that watery grave. Well, how didn't that make you rejoice? Because when I saw him going down in the watery grave, it let me know that the earthly dirt grave has got no hold on him no longer. Oh, grave, where's our victory? Oh, dad, where's our sting? You can't always rejoice in everything that happens to you. But you can always rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. My Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, he said there in Philippians 4, in 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. But that really don't paint the picture clear of how Paul really said it when he was talking to those people. The Holman Christian Standard version of the Bible, I like the way it says that, that same verse. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice! That's what Paul really was saying, by the way. He said, rejoice! He's talking to those people in that church, amen, amen, who was going through uh, turmoil in their life. And he saw that there was no peace in their life. And he was giving them a pathway to peace. And the first thing he told them, and he was ecstatic right here. I can almost see Paul preaching it. Hallelujah. He told them, he said, folks, you got to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again. Rejoice! Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul expounded a little further on rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16 through 18. He said, Rejoice every six months or so. Huh? Rejoice evermore. Oh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And here's the key in verse 18. In everything, everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. So that means when I'm cruising down the boulevard, going somewhere, hallelujah, and all of a sudden, dumb me, Amen. Supposed to turn right and I turn left. Because maybe I get my mind on something else for a split second. 
And when I realized what I'd done, instead of getting all bent out of shape, amen, and being a bad witness for God, I'll rejoice in the fact that I made a wrong turn. I've heard you say this, brother, because I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, Lord, I thank you and I rejoice that I turned left instead of turning right. Even though I've had to go a little ways out of the way, I thank you because you may have saved me from an accident head on just right down that road. You don't know what God is doing for you. Rejoice in everything. Give thanks. Church, until we are able to rejoice in the Lord in all, at all times, in, every, in all things, we're going to live miserable, broken-hearted lives, feeling as if no one, not even God, cares for our situation. Hallelujah. If, you do, if you're not able to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice evermore, your life is going to be miserable, even though you might be a child of God, even though you may be Holy Ghost-filled. You still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. This might scratch some Pentecostal theology. Hallelujah. But I do know some Pentecostal, Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus-named people who lives literally miserable lives. And one reason is, it's because they always expect the negative. They always expect the worst in everything. And they haven't ever yet learned how to rejoice in God. Uh, hallelujah. I could continue on that, but for time service, I've got to move on. The second thing Apostle Paul said about this pathway, his pathway to peace, Paul gave us, as, the, as I, call, I call him the doctor of the soul, he wrote, wrote that description to the uh, 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 church at Philippi. And he said, you got to, first of all, on that little scratching paper that, you know, how the doctor scratch that out, you can't read what they're writing. Paul scratched out that prescription one. He said, always rejoice in the Lord. Number two, on that prescription pad, Paul says, don't be overbearing. Now, this might rub us a little the wrong way. Now, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been pat, rubbing you that way like a kitty cat on that first one. But, you know, i got to admit it, i got this little evil streak in me. I don't want to hear no amens back there from Sister Darlene. But, uh, you know, we don't have no cats now because they always had cats, and she had a couple there, but she still got them. Sometimes, you know, I'll be rubbing them cats like that, like that, and that cat just a purring, carrying on, and all of a sudden some <laughs> just kind of get in me, and I'll just I'll back it up the wrong way. You don't rub it that way. Ah! So I've been doing you like this. Now I'm going to take you back this way by saying, don't be overbearing. Philippians 4 and 5, in the New King James Version, it says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now the regular King James Version says, Let your moderation. But what did Paul mean when he said, Let your moderation be known? In the New King James, it said, He brought it out to be gentleness. Now, I want to give you some other um, translations so you can better understand what he means because this is important if you're looking to find a pathway to peace. 
Philippians 4 and 5 in the English Standard Version. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The uh, Bible in basic English says like this, Let your gentle behavior be clear to all men. So what is this? What did, what did Paul mean? When, what Paul is actually saying is, don't be pushy. Now remember, I told you, I'm backing up on you. Hallelujah. Don't be overbearing with people. Don't be pushy with people. Be gentle. Be meek. Let people see the meekness of God in you, not the bully in you. I'm preaching now, and I get many amens. Listen, if you push, Brother Darrell, most people's going to push back. Hallelujah. I could tell you some things in my past life, but I'm too embarrassed to say hallelujah. I've had people push me. And I'd let them push. But there have been a few times that I begin to push back. I've told some things. I ain't gonna re- if, if you didn't write it down, I ain't going re- to repeat it. Hallelujah. Anger. <laughs> that old anger, man. I had to deal with that. I had a problem with that, boy, I'm going to tell you. Hallelujah. It didn't make no difference how big it was. I'd tie into them. Sometimes it'd make me cry for God, Daddy, help me. <laughs> Glory. But we can't be pushy. We can't be overbearing. Listen to me, church. You can't force another grown adult to do anything they don't want to do. And I see it happen all the time in the church. People try to be pushy. But I'm going to tell you something. Now, I, 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 as pastor, I, I, I'm just getting down where the rubber meets the road. I can't, t- I can't help what other people say and how pe- people teach. But I'm going to tell you something. You cannot force another grown adult to do anything that they don't want to do. Hallelujah. Peace is driven out of the home when one spouse goes to church and then tries to force the other through by it to intimidate them into going. It'll drive peace from home every time. You got one spouse wants to go to church, the other one don't want to go, so the first one they're going to try to force them to go, or they're going to try to intimidate them and go. That don't work. That don't work. I thought we got to try to reach them. Yeah, but that's not the way to do it. You're going to drive them further away from you than draw them close to you. I was talking to Brother Art before service today. So many times, down through the years, I've seen people go back and literally get somebody by the arm and drag them down to the altar. And, man, they're kicking and screaming all the way. And I'm going to tell you something. God ain't never told nobody to drag nobody to the altar. I don't care. You may tell me a million times that God told you to do it. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. You're missing God. Hallelujah. 
Whosoever will, let him come and drink of this water of life freely. Whosoever will, not whoever, amen, is forced or intimidated or dragged. You've got to have a will in this heart. And if they don't want to come on their own, you're dragging them. Ain't going to help them one bit. You're going to push them further away. Good preaching, Brother Sammy. Thank you. Hallelujah. There is a way to achieve your goal without becoming overbearing and difficult to live with. There's a lot of times, folks, and I know this may, you know, this may seem mighty little, but there's nothing you can do any greater than prayer. Prayer is a powerful force. And there's sometimes you have to you have to realize that you've got to put some situations in the hand of God and let God handle it in His time and in His way. Amen? Hallelujah. And this principle can be applied to many areas of life, not just husband and wife. I've seen a lot of preachers so overbearing and pushy and shovey, it's pitiful. Trying to force people to do. I've known some pastors. I've been, I've been in some in some pastors' church to go when they would be having a revival and they would have an evangelist come, and that evangelist get up there while he's preaching, and just so happened maybe that, that evangelist might explain a passage of scripture different than what the pastor explains it when he teaches it or sees it. Then I've seen that pastor get right up behind him and just literally tear down really everything, any kind of thing that man or influence that man may have had with the people in that church by saying, well, man, that guy was just dead wrong. Hallelujah. You can be too pushy. By the grace of God, I do everything I can to teach my people and preach to my people the truth. And if somebody comes by on a, as a visitor and, and he, he, he may say something, maybe he a, a little bit different, I'm not going to try to embarrass that man and I ain't going to try to tear down what he, because there might be something else he did say in that message that could be speaking to somebody and I could get up there and I could tear the whole thing up. And what we're here about, folks, is souls. That's it. If you're here for any other reason, you don't need to be here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I'm now, I'm not saying, you know, that you might not come to an area that you might mean to carry somebody off to the side and talk to them a little bit uh, uh, to the side after the service is over, just him and you. Hallelujah. But I ain't talking about taking care of all the business right up here behind the pulpit. This is for preaching the Word, not slinging mud. Hallelujah. I like I like something that Brother T.F. Tenney, he's a, he's an 
Uh, he's a pioneer Pentecostal, and um, he was a general superintendent uh, of, uh, of uh, the Louisiana district for the UPC for many. I'd rather hear that dear old man preaching just about anybody. He's a powerful man of God. Hallelujah. And I was, um, I was down at Because of the Times one, one year, and he's, he always comes up with something. He's kind of like Brother Travis is with his, his stories. But Brother T.F. Tenney, he comes out with some good stuff, and he said, and he's talking about people getting up behind the pulpit and slinging mud at everybody. And this is what he told them in that big congregation about twice as big as this church right here, about 3,300 people there that night. Hey, he said, let me tell you something, folks. He says, you can't nobody sling mud without losing ground. Now, if you don't know what that means, just think about it a little bit. He said, everybody who slings mud has got to lose ground. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The third thing Apostle Paul said, and I, like I said, I, I'm not covering everything that I had in this, but I'm going to get the most of it because it's going on 4 o'clock right now. The third thing he said, we got to conquer worry before it conquers you. We're talking about Paul's pathway to peace. you got to conquer worry before it conquers you. He said, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. Be but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Uh, I'm on, I'm again, I'm going to read that same verse in some other translations. God's Word's translation, Philippians 4 and 6, Never worry about anything, but in every situation let God know what, you, what your need is in prayer. Philippians 4 and 6 in the, in the uh, uh, Holman uh, uh, Christian Standard Bible, uh, Bible, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen to me, and I'm going to wind this. I'm going to wind this thing down until close. Cancer of the brain can be a troublesome thing to deal with. If somebody has cancer of the brain, it can be a troublesome thing. But I'm going to tell you something that's a little bit worse than that. That's cancer of the mind. There's a difference in somebody having cancer of the brain and cancer of the mind. Cancer of the mind, otherwise known as worry, I call it cancer of the mind because worry will eat at you like cancer. Cancer of the mind or worry is is the alias. Will devour your faith and destroy peace. Now this is this is a quote from Sammy Pruitt right here. As I was putting this together and praying, cancer of the mind, otherwise known as worry, will devour faith, destroy peace, leaving you as limp as a jellyfish and unstable as a three-legged stew with one leg broke. Think about that for a moment. You can visualize a three-legged stew. And if you've got a three-legged stew, you know if just one of them, one of them legs broke, you're not going to be very stable. If you have worry in your mind, it will eat away in your mind and 
make you so unstable, you're going to be like a jellyfish or unstable as a three-legged stew without one le- up with one leg broke. Conclusion of the whole matter. He gave these things. The opening text, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's the first path, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness or moderation be known to all men. In other words, don't be pushy. Be anxious for nothing or don't worry about nothing. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto God. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the three paths to peace of mind. Uh, and one more time, the God's Word translation says, when you do these things, you rejoice evermore. You let your gentleness be known. You be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4 and 7, the God's Word translation, then, it says, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. That is the Apostle Paul's pathway to peace. So peace and having peace of mind is not impossible. It can be achieved. The Apostle Paul gives us the pathway. Other scriptures in the Bible that we read, keep your mind stayed on him. Be in his presence. Let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. We've seen several people praying and being blessed by God today, but after this message, if there's somebody else dealing with areas in their life and you don't feel peace, and if you want to come down and just have a little talk with the Lord, do so. Take a few minutes before we leave here today. As I sang this old song, When my soul was disturbed with sorrow When my heart was burdened with sin Jesus' soul his mercy and he tenderly took me do you need peace in your life today there is peace in the time of trouble there is peace the midst of the storm. There is peace 
though the world be raging in the shelter of his arms. Listen, there are storms that we all encounter. Do not fear, they will do you no harm. In the Lord, you're going to find protection in the shelter of His Give the Lord Jesus a hand.